Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, Telephone number is 800-529-5572. We're going to rate some presidents uh, because today is President's Day. A quick reminder, Thursday and Friday, we will be doing a fundraiser for the Children's Miracle Network. We'll be doing that on our home station. Uh, I don't think the other affiliates are going to be carrying that, uh, but it is uh, for the Children's Miracle Network and... uh, Nothing I like better than private charity. We kick off the program uh, right now with uh, Kellyanne Conway. She was the uh, senior counselor to President Trump, and uh, she's on board to talk about education in Missouri. Uh, And you may wonder why. Well, we're going to find out. Uh, Kellyanne, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Gary. Never better. Thanks so much for having me today. So what uh, what drew your interest here in Missouri with regard to education? Tell me about this bill. Sure. I'm always interested in education. I understand why people have differences of opinions on guns, on abortion, on energy policy. I don't understand why an entire political party is against allowing kids of all backgrounds out of failing schools to access a quality and affordable education worthy of their dignity and humanity. And I'm very happy that where Washington has failed these kids, that the governors, the red state governors, are really picking up the ball um, in your neighboring Iowa Just earlier this month, Governor Kim Reynolds and legislature passed universal school choice. That means everybody can benefit from it. Now, as a parent, you may choose not to. That's your right also. But many of these parents, when you build it, they come. They know that we need to supply the demand. And the demand is that there be alternatives to what's become failing schools in some places, not most places, not every place, certainly. But why would you deny kids an equal opportunity. I think the left talks about equal outcomes now, equity, equity. They want us all to think alike, be alike, have the same. Equal opportunity is fairness, and that's what school choice and charter schools are all about. One of the many hats I wear is as the director of the, yes, the director of the chair of the Center for the American Child at America First Policy Institute. And one of our four major issues is education and school choice. In Missouri, you've got hot bills being contested and being debated, and I think Some may be coming to a vote even this week. The school choice bill in Missouri being considered right now as we speak, Gary, HB 253, and the companion bill in the Senate, SB 5. What would these do? Well, um, they would basically require school districts to opt in to accept transfer students from other districts. It includes funds to cover transportation for students who qualify, free and reduced lunches, special needs students. Again, you have to stop pretending that kids are getting a quality education everywhere. Even the metrics in Missouri tell the tale. Um, a very, very small number of your students met the four prongs of the ACTs recently. Doesn't say 22% of Missouri graduates met all four ACT college readiness benchmarks. And among the African-American students across Missouri, it's 4%. That's a crying shame. It's avoidable. These kids have to be front and center when we think about education. I like the fact that the representative... Pullett, Brad Pullett from District 52, he represents Johnson and Pettis counties there in Missouri. He's the owner and operator of a cattle company, but he previously worked for 34 years as an educator and administrator. He's the guy. He's literally the guy who's introducing this legislation. Who better than somebody who was in the field for decades to say, this is what I think is better. Look, we had a problem in education, education inequality um, before the pandemic, but the pandemic laid bare. What happens when we treat our kitchen islands like classrooms, when we have our 
when we have screen time is school time for far too long. And even though Missouri, under Governor Parson, did a better job than most places, individual school districts had the right to keep those kids locked down, which means we kept them let down. And what we're trying to have now is an education renaissance. Now that many parents, um, they've always been attuned to their own children, but they're attuned to what they can do with a major seat at the decision table, whether they're running for school boards, showing up at the meetings, watching the meetings through um, local television feeds, or more importantly, getting involved in the curriculum, getting involved in what's being taught, where their kids go to school and what is taught there. There's a fundamental right of parents to have a say in all of that. And I'm really happy that Missouri is now on the front lines making that so. Uh, Kelly, and the reason I'm a recovering Republican and a libertarian is because I find in many cases, and Missouri is a, a prime example of this, where the Republicans have the House, they have the, the, uh, the Senate, they have the governor's mansion, and sometimes legislation as simple as this stumbles and fails. I think last uh, session they got almost nothing done at all uh, because it, it feels like they're unprincipled. I like the idea. Uh, if we're, if I'm going to be compelled to pay for somebody else's education, I don't want the money to go to waste. Uh, I would much rather we have the dollar follow the scholar, uh, give these parents all kinds of choices and opportunities. Um, what are you hearing in terms of uh, major opposition? Who are, who are the, the, the real... Uh, where's the real opposition coming from? It comes in a few places. Uh, part of it is arrogance and part of it is simple ignorance. That's not a bad thing. It just means there's information underload about what these bills would do and what school choice and educational freedom really are all about. So first, let's unpack the obvious. A lot of the Democrats, left-wingers in Washington particularly, you can't find a single Democrat in the, federal con- in the Congress, in our federal legislature, and certainly none in the White House who are for school choice, charter schools, educational freedom, opportunity, scholarships. That's a crying shame, and it didn't have to be that way. Years ago, I'm an old person, Gary, years ago, I did a press conference with uh, Joe Lieberman, then a Democratic senator uh, from Connecticut, and soon to be the vice presidential running mate with Al Gore for the Democrats, uh, and Floyd Flake, a former congressman from New York City and a black pastor. Um, they, they were right there in, this, in, the, um, in, in the swamp. They call it the swamp outside of the Capitol doing a press conference about educational alternatives. I met Cory Booker, the anti-school choice, anti, um, you know, anti-life, anti-lot of things, senator from, uh, from New Jersey, then the mayor of Newark. I met him over 20 years ago at a school choice conference in Jersey City. So these people have, as the need has gotten greater for alternatives to conventional public schools for some students, the number of Democrats who favor that have be- has gotten fewer. So they're against it. The teachers' unions are against it, obviously. And look, we love teachers. We don't love teacher unions. We need, we necessarily, we need student-centric educational policies. The other people who are somewhat against in Missouri and elsewhere are more rural legislators. And they've been told by, by people that this would gut the rural public schools. Perhaps they'd have to close. You'd lose the sports programs and extracurricular activities. That has not been the case in places where, the, where this type of legislation has taken hold, say, Indiana and Wisconsin and the more rural areas. And I think superintendents in those rural areas are very powerful and very influential. And that's why I like the fact that this, the guy carrying the bill in, um, in the House, in, excuse me, in the, yes, in the House version in, in Missouri is, is um, former superintendent and educator of 34 years. <clears throat> so I think the rural, I, I understand that they may think they lose money. What happens is the money follows the child, as you just say. You're paying that money anyway, whether you have children in the school system, whether you have children at all, grandchildren at all. 
You're still paying the money. Let's use it for the kids. I don't know who with a straight face, Gary, can say that every kid is getting the best, most customized, highest quality education possible in Missouri or anywhere else for that matter for all the money that you and I are paying. The kids are worth the money. The way the money is being used is not worth it. If you just turned the radio on, uh, I'm pleased to tell you that we have communica- we have um, uh, Kellyanne Conway with us. Uh, she, uh, of course, was the uh, former uh, senior counselor for President Trump uh, on to discuss this le- legislation. Uh, and this America First Policy Institute um, is where you're uh, calling home right now. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I can't have you on without t- talking a little bit about politics. Well, then I'll put my other hat on. It's, it's one thing that I do. I have okay. my own consulting company. So I'm a pollster and a market researcher. As I've always been, give paid speeches, wrote a memoir, the whole deal. I um, have a Fox News contributor contract. So I can, uh, I can speak politics outside of AFPI for you. Okay. Then we're going to, we're going to change hats uh, <laughs> on this Fox affiliate. Uh, and, uh, Kellyanne Conway with us, uh, President Trump, uh, if he gets enough primary challenges, um, and, and we're already starting to see the the, uh, the hats getting tossed into the ring, it's almost a guarantee he wins the nomination. Would you agree? It certainly helps him, and he knows that. He says as much. It certainly helped him in 2016. I'll give you a great example that was easy to forget. Let's look at South Carolina. It was the third primary in the Republican nomination process. You had Iowa. Then you had New Hampshire. You get to South Carolina, it was winner take all, 50 delegates. So somebody, one person out of the dozen or so that were running or more was going to get all 50 delegates. That ended up being Donald Trump. He won every single delegate, but he got about a third of the vote, a little more than a third of the vote. As I recall, maybe 34.5, don't hold me to it. Um, But then Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio got about 22.5% each. So they split 45% of the vote and Trump got all 50 delegates. So it just gives you a good example of what happened, not what can happen, not what everybody pretends it to tell you that they know it will happen. Um, I think electability is a total fiction. I think it hurts, to your point, libertarian and conservative candidates, uh, people who don't have high name ID or deep pockets. And Donald Trump really blew that out of the water in 2016 in the primaries and then against the Queen Bee herself in the general election. This whole notion of who can win, who can't win. I'm hearing a lot of donors and even grassroots leaders and, and many people who should know better telling the people right now who can win and who can't win years before they have a right to cast their votes. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not rob people of their choice and their voice by insisting you know who can win and who can't win long before they have the opportunity to express themselves. I think it hurt Republican candidates in 2022, all this nonsense talk about red waves and red tsunamis. It's a press turnout in some places, especially because Republicans were holding on to their ballots until Election Day, taking a big chance, Gary, that you can get out of the House, let alone get to the polling place that day. What if you're called away for business? What if you're legitimately sick? What if you're told by all these phony pollsters who now you never hear from, they're counting their money somewhere, that, oh, it's fine. Every, every Republican's winning everywhere, everywhere, even the ones who lost by double digits. So you don't even need to vote in case you can't get there or you're mad at the system because of 2020 or you, you, you literally, you know, you got called away unexpectedly. We are not just competing for votes. We're competing for ballots. I'm very happy to see President Trump late last week join the chorus, the growing chorus of folks who don't like mail-in ballots like me, um, who don't like uh, this drop boxes and all this nonsense. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear him talk about competing for ballots and not just votes. That needs to go party wide. If he does throw his hat in the ring and if he does prevail, will you step back into the breach again and work with him? 
he already threw his hat in the ring. You know, he's I mean, the yeah, I know, but if he wins. For years. No, it's easy to forget because the left is obsessed with him, of course. They're, they're trying to get him out of the White House. He's been out of the White House for two and a half years, Gary. <laughs> um, they're still trying. And it, by the way, if they weren't worried about him or threatened by Donald Trump, they wouldn't, use, they wouldn't say Trump, Trump, Trump in response to every single question they get about anything. You ask them a question about the weather, they mention Trump four times. Um, I've learned, maybe the hard way, but I've learned significantly that if I want somebody to be the irrelevant person they are, I don't even mention their name. Why would I? I don't clap back on social media. I don't mention them. They are worried about Donald Trump going up against Joe Biden and putting their two records um, side by side. And, you know, these. You, let's go back to your first question because it's an excellent one. The more people who run in the Republican primary, and I had said in an op-ed in the New York Times last month that if one person runs against Donald Trump, easily five, six, seven will. And so that helps him. He knows that. But I think people have a real decision to make. All those who are saying, I must run to stop Donald Trump. Now they have to say... Maybe I shouldn't run <laughs> to stop Donald Trump. And Nikki Haley, in her own way, got in their way um, just by going first. You get credit for going first. The old lottery saying you can't win if you don't play. Well, you can't get the nomination um, unless – and she's got a lot of issues, including among Trump voters, believe me. I think all these folks do. I think that if your essential case, your theory of the case for your candidacy is that I accomplished this, that, and the other when I was in the Trump administration, that usually works, Gary, when the big the, – the boss isn't the one running. So people who worked for Reagan did it and ran against each other. People who worked for George Herbert Walker Bush ran against each other. Um, but when the president himself is running again, he gets to say, thank you for that free advertisement, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, whomever. Thank you for the free advertisement of all the things I accomplished as commander in chief and president of the United States. Yes, with your help. But I was the guy making the ultimate decision. All right. Um, can you give out the uh, website for the Center for uh, Ameri the American Child? Sure. Just go to AFPI, America First Policy Institute, and then you click on to the Center for the American Child. And you see our work on um, social media, our work on fentanyl and opioids, we're poisoning America. Um, and social media really is meant to, that's really, that we, we just see the CDC even came out with a preliminary report last week between the lockdowns and social media, teen girls and boys, but the teen girls are really struggling. They have suicidal ideation. They are telling, they are reaching out for help. So we'd like to be a small part of that. We're also um, helping with Melania Trump's, the former first lady's uh, ongoing initiative, Fostering the Future. She's doing a fabulous job with uh, foster care, just as she did in the White House. And then, of course, education, as we talked about today. This is incredibly important um, to talk about the, the, the well-being. I think every kid deserves an equal chance to, to avail themselves of quality, affordable education. I'll tell you, Gary, 60 years after bigoted Democratic governors in the South stood in the schoolhouse door preventing kids of color from coming in, you've got Democrats all across this country standing in the schoolhouse door, refusing to let kids of all backgrounds out of that failing school to go access that quality education. Kamala Harris and the rest of them, equity, 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 they need equality of outcomes. They want us all to look the same, have the same, be the same. We're talking about equality of opportunity. And we know that a great education sets these kids and, the, and these teens, really, off on a path um, that then it's their own hard work and a little bit of luck that decides where they go from there. Give you an idea how powerful I am. I made Kellyanne put on one hat, take it off, put on another hat, <laughs> take it off, and put the first hat on. And I did that all over the phone. Kellyanne, Kelly <laughs> thank you for being with us this morning. Take care. All uh, the best. All right. Take care. Glad to have you with us.
All right, a, a conversation that we had on Friday has spilled over in the emails. We'll get to that. Your calls right here on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 26 minutes after 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us on uh, President's Day. And, you know, I we were kind of kicking this around, Brian and I, because it's President's Day, to have you rate the presidents. And you know what the easiest question is? Who's the best president in the last 50 years? Who's the worst president in the last 50? Well, the second one might be a little bit might be a little bit more of a challenge. Um, and, and certainly I would love to hear your your response to those. Who's the best and who is the worst? But who's the second best? Who's the second best president? So if you give me the best, you got to give me the second best. I'm going to go through um, the the easy part for me is the best. On this president's day, the best president, Ronald Reagan. Um, it, you know, some outcomes were disappointing, some things that were done that I disagreed with. But overall, I would rate him as the best. Second best, this is going to come as a surprise to some of you, especially the, the haters out there. And you're out there. I know you are. Second best president, I would argue, was Donald Trump. Um, so for me, Trump was the second best president in the last half century. Not FDR, huh? Uh, he was before. That was more than a half. <laughs> you got to go back 100 years to get to him. Um, so the worst president, oh, my God. Oh, my word, the worst president. <laughs> now, that's a battle for me. I would, I would say it was the Obamunist. I think it was, I think it was the Obamunist. By the way, I want to throw this out uh, just um, because it is uh, both President's Day and because he is uh, facing uh, that, that long goodbye. Jimmy Carter... I was never a fan of Jimmy Carter's, and I never thought he did anything right. But that was a mistake. He did do something right and never got credit for it. Uh, and that deals with the uh, OPEC um, encounter. When, when OPEC nations were trying to drive up the price and successfully did the price of oil, Jimmy Carter did uh, the right thing. And I didn't know this until last year. He deregulated. He fought to deregulate, to drive down the price of oil. Uh, I don't think he was a particularly good president. I think, I think he was a nice guy. I don't think he had any evil intent. Uh, I, I don't think he had any evil in him. On the other hand, I, I do think, I think Obama was evil. So, my best president, Ronald Reagan. Second best president, Donald Trump. Worst president, I got to go with, uh, and it's, a, it's a tough one. I got to go with the Obamunist. We'll find out what you think. 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Uh, Brian, I got what, about 30 seconds? 30 seconds. All right, yeah. I'll see if I can get Jim to give me a quick, a quick answer. Uh, Jim, give me a quick answer. Uh, best president? Number one, Reagan. Number two, Trump. Our right. best economy in 70 years. Worst? president god the democrats give you so much to choose from <laughs> i would say i thought jimmy carter then obama came along and now 
Biden is there, and I don't really think he is a president. I think somebody's telling him what to do. And so I would rank him as the worst. So So you're going to say Biden is the worst? Yes. All right. Got to go. Thank you for the call. It's the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. All right, it's uh, it's President's Day, so I wanted to know who you thought was the best and second best president, and who was the worst. And uh, some people are going, uh, Brian, a little bit a little bit further. Um, for instance, yeah, I did that. Yeah, you did that out of too. accident. <laughs> who did I you like, go back to? You went back to who? <laughs> well, jokingly, I said one of your favorites, of course, was FDR not thinking about the 50 years. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, I can't go back that far. Uh, Anson sent me a message. And, you know, everybody, this is how you feel. So I'm not going to argue. Um, I may not agree with with your conclusion, but if you feel this, that's fine. Best president was Donald Trump. Trump. Second best president, he says, was Richard Nixon. They both dealt with character assassination attempts. Nixon still gets poop from uh, liberal media. Nixon ended the Vietnam War. Uh, and for that, as a saint, Trump laid the groundwork for the end of the Afghanistan War and still didn't start any new ones. Trump and Nixon loved peace. Uh, let's see. Let's go... Uh let me go to the phones here. I'm going to go to Arthur. He's on a cell phone. He's been waiting a long time. And let me see if I can. There we go. Now I got him. Arthur, good morning. How are you? Yeah. Good morning. I listen to you every morning and everything all, all the time. Uh, our best president, I would say, was Nixon and then uh, Trump. Nixon and, and then Trump? Yeah. All right. And. The worst has been Obama and the Biden administration. <laughs> okay. So you like Nixon better than Reagan? Well, they're both in this. I like both of them. All right. And we're, now we're going back beyond 50 years, but I'm going to let it ride. All right. I appreciate it. And, and you think the worst is uh, Biden or, or Obama? Who did you say? Both of them. <laughs> both of them is a tie. <laughs> so, all right, yeah, all right. I appreciate it. Uh, I, Bernie Sandberg, Bernie. I think I call him Sandbrains because they just move, move all over. He don't know what he's doing. <laughs> okay, all right, Arthur. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show, Paul. Welcome. How are you? I'm just grateful, Gary. Hey, I guess uh, I just did the math real quick, and I guess this is getting beyond fifty years a bit. But um, so far, one who has not been mentioned is JFK. And I'm just curious That's to throw the question out there. Where would you put him, on the good side or the bad side? Uh, what, what do you think? I mean, I would. You know, I vote Republican. For pre- I've never voted anything but Republican for president. Um, well, there was an exception um, for a third-party candidate here or there, but... Um, I would, I would almost put JFK. I think you make a case to put him behind uh, Reagan as one of the second best. So I just want to throw that out there. That's exactly where Brian. You didn't go to FDR. You went to JFK. Correct. Yeah, and that's what he's doing. He's going back like eighty years to nineteen sixty sixty one. Um, and what we um, what we concluded is that if if JFK ran today, he'd be a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because. He stood up to Russia, kept nuclear weapons out of our hemisphere, 
Um, he, he's the moonshot president. You know, we, we still talk today about, oh, we need a moonshot to accomplish this. I mean, he was the moonshot president. I mean, he was um, really exemplified leadership in the presidency in, in many ways, I think. All right. And the only thing I liked that he did was he recognized that high taxes were bad. Um, he put missiles in Europe, and that's why Fidel or uh, why uh, uh, Khrushchev put missiles in Cuba. Uh, then they made a deal. He pulled the missiles back, and then uh, Russia pulled the U.S. Soviet Union pulled their missiles back. So that was something that he kind of screwed the pooch on. And then he started making you pay taxes on interest uh, in savings accounts, even. Um, and I, I think that was uh, not particularly good. But he would have been closer to a Republican than a Democrat today. So it's well worth yes, considering. All right. Thank you for the call, sir. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Gary, welcome. How are you? No, wait a minute. No, this is... Who do I have on the phone here? Is this Martha? Martha, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. Um, president Trump was the best president, and Obama is running his third term right now through... Biden, and he'll run the fourth if he can get uh, Michelle in there. Okay, so you you like you like uh, Trump even better than Reagan. Um, what did you think of the Kellyanne uh, Conway uh, interview? Did you like uh, hearing from her? I only got in on the last of it, but I think she's pretty. I think she's pretty great. Wait, a minute, wait. You mean you weren't listening for the very beginning? No, mm. I tried. Oh, you, but well, I this is fantastic. Yeah. Do you uh, have Brian, your credit card handy there, Martha? Because uh, we charge for that. Yeah, there and, is a uh, Brian and I were fine. Gonna, we're going to lunch Boy, after just, after the show. You just charge right on because Alexa wouldn't let me get you. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> That's how I listen to you, Siri Alexa. <laughs> All right, Martha. Thank you. <laughs> thank <laughs> thank you. And the Gary Nolan show. <laughs> oh, Alexa you, wouldn't you let hung up, and I didn't even get her credit card. Well, you what know, what are you doing? It, it's a yeah. Now you're going to have to buy lunch. You're going to be completely up. <laughs> it's going to be complete. Oh, she's calling back. I think. I think she's calling back to give you the credit card number. <laughs> oh, what a sweetheart! All right, I want to jump in, and um, we had a conversation on Friday. It was Frost Your Buns Friday, and one of the topics uh, was this whole thing about pornography. By the way, I, boy, I'm going to be like all over the place this morning. Every once in a while, um, I bring a bunch of friends, and I really do. I, they're, they're, they're all great people. And we have a, a private dinner at my favorite restaurant. We get the very back room, and then uh, we throw out questions and philosophical um, questions, things like that. And it is fascinating. The discussion is great. One day... If they all agree to it, I won't tell you who the group is, but one day, if they all agree to it, maybe we'll bring cameras in uh, so that you can see what uh, what goes on. But these are uh, former state legislators, current state legislators, attorneys, uh, captains of, uh, of industry, manufacturers. Um, we did this last night and talked about this very topic that uh, that I'm going to readdress. What a fabulous conversation it was. Anyway, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the Algonquin Room. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but in New York, these uh, 
writers and, and critics and members of the media would all get together uh, for lunch every day. And it was supposed, Groucho Marx was part of it, uh, George S. Kaufman. It was, it was a, an intellectual um, feast, if you will. Anyway, it, it kind of reminds me of that. But we talked about this very issue, and it was a question that had, that had come up about pornography on the Friday show. And I, I went down the rabbit hole on that because we went into the religious aspect of it. And the question was, here's, here's what's going on. There are some states that want you to have to give uh, some form of ID before they will let you view pornography on the web. And this is not a, am I in favor of or opposed to pornography question. It's a question of, should the government have the right to to make that decision? And um, I argued, no, it's not. And one of the dangers, of course, is that somewhere along the line, there will be a database of people who have uh, viewed pornography and they, uh, you know, gave up their their identification in order to do that. And then, uh, you know, they're vulnerable to all kinds of blackmail. And so I, I, I'm not a fan of that idea, nor am I a fan of the idea that the government would regulate this at all. It's not the government's job. We went down the rabbit hole with this. A woman called up, a, a very well-meaning woman. I, I disagree with her, um, but it, it, it turned into, uh, you know, God says this is evil kind of thing. Um, but here's, here's the deal. It doesn't matter if it's God that hates pornography. It doesn't matter if God views it as a sin. That is not an excuse for the government to jump in and ban it or regulate it. And I, I, I probably should have gone down this road. I thought about doing it on Friday, but I didn't. So because I continued to get emails long after the program ended, I wanted to address it again this morning. Uh, and I will show you the direction I probably should have gone to shut this whole conversation down. I'll do that in a moment on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Well, welcome. It's, uh, it's 9.50. 10 to 10. Glad to have you on board. Uh, Toll-free number is 800-529-5572. If you're local, it's 874-9390. You can also uh, just go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message, and it will pop up uh, right here in studio. And uh, we were talking about presidents, but I I kind of segued. Uh, We had a conversation about pornography on Friday. And... The, the question dealt with whether or not the government should regulate it. We got a call from a well-meaning, uh, wonderful gal who uh, I disagreed with about regulating it. She said it's because um, it is in the eyes of God a sin. And we went down that rabbit hole. But, and I, and I thought about doing this on Friday. I didn't. But here is why that is not a reason uh, to, uh, to regulate it. Aside from the fact that there are people who don't believe in God, so it's not a sin to them. They don't see it as a sin. You do, but you don't get to impose your belief on the other person. How many people within the sound of my voice who agreed with her on Friday, how many of you have missed Mass on Sunday or not kept holy the Lord's Day or used God's name in vain? 
How many of you have told a little white lie here and again, a fib? Not that there's really a difference on the scale of lies. A lie is a lie. But how many of you have done that, that, was, that were agreeing with her? And can you imagine how busy the police would be if we arrested everyone who didn't go to church on Sunday or keep holy the Lord's Day or use God's name in vain? or it, We don't make it a law just because... God thinks it's a bad idea just because our God thinks it's a bad idea. That doesn't make it something that the government should regulate. I could have gone down that road. I should have. I thought about it. I didn't. But that's the point. Um, Government has no business regulating morality. We do. And this takes me full circle to yesterday's dinner because a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, who's been on this program uh, as a guest and as a caller, said, how has society improved since we've allowed, uh, you know, since we stopped regulating pornography? Um, And uh, what were some of the, oh man, I I can't remember some of the other uh, points that he brought up. Um, But we have progressed as the left would like to call it, in a variety of ways. Uh, That's just one of them. How has society improved in the last 50 years or so? I don't think it's related to government. I'm not sure if it's cause and effect, but has society improved in the last 50 years? I can see where we improved over time Uh, from the country's inception. I mean, things were moving along pretty nicely through the early 20th century. But how... What? Do you think we've improved in the last 25 or 30 years? There have been some well-meaning politicians that wrote some terrible laws that I think came back to bite us. But society in the last 20 or 30 years, has it improved? Is it better? Or is it worse? Are we, I guess the the, the bottom line question here is, are we headed in the right direction? As a whole, when you step back and you look at the United States of America, arguably the most powerful country in the history of the world. Where do we stand as a society? Are we improving? Or are we digressing? Are we are we going backwards? 874-9390-800-529-5572. Before I go to the phones, uh, and I know we've got a couple of wireless callers on here. We're going to get to them uh, in, a, in a few seconds. Brian. Yes, sir. What do you think? Are are we heading Um, in the right direction or not? I mean, technologically speaking, I think we have improved fourfold, maybe more, over the last, what, what did you say? 20, 30 years. 20, 30 years. I mean, the advancements are incredible. But, you know, those things come with a trade-off. So society in general, have have we continued to move? I would say it's better. You know, it's more convenient for a lot of folks. But, again, I mean... 
things happen that you don't expect with advancements of society, and you got to take the good with the bad. All right, let me see what Gene thinks, because that's where we're headed first. Uh, you can get in 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Uh, Gene, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Good, Gary. Thank you. Uh, I think you and my beliefs align pretty closely as far as uh, liberty and being libertarian, but uh, I would disagree with you on one thing, and I, I don't know how, how you see this, but... I believe that government has to legislate morality in some ways. Now, I am never for the government uh, accepting any church, state, religion like they had in Great Britain or other countries. And to me, that's what separation of church and state is about. We're not supposed to recognize one religion over another. But just the, the law that we have that you can't kill people is regulating morality. No, it isn't, actually. It's not... How is that, how is that it, not? Because it's not a matter of whether it's moral or not. It's, it's, more, it's a matter of has somebody been harmed? The victim well, has been harmed. We need to protect him. It's not but, morality. But, if but, you're, but, if, but, but, Gary, who gets the right to say that? The victim. In, in other countries where people were cannibals for decades... Uh, they didn't have any problem with that. You see, what you get when you when you take certain uh, parts of morality out of life is what we have right now. You ask the question, is our society getting better? I would have to say absolutely not. You know, if you went back 75 years or 50 or 75 years here in Missouri, you could go to any high school in a rural area and you'd see the old farm trucks and they all had guns hanging in the back window. What never happened? We never had a school shooting. Why? Because we still taught morality in our schools. We didn't teach that that truth is relative to what you think, and that's the problem we have now. I don't we're think teaching, we're teaching everybody that their truth is right for them. Well, that only goes until you and I run into a headhunter, somebody who wants to eat it. Now, is his truth right for him? No. You see, you're missing the point of what government is supposed to be, and it's not. It's not a, uh, an arbiter of morality. It is only here to protect our rights. It's nothing theological or religious about it in any way. And as far I'm not, as... I'm not making this theological or religious, but morals are accepting that we have responsibilities to others around us. And when we stop teaching that in schools, which is what we've done to a great extent... You get the breakdown. You know, I heard the other day, just this year alone, right. I think they said we've had 67 mass shootings. Are we going in the right direction? Man, I don't Cer think so. Certainly not. But if if um, if you miss mass on Sunday uh, and you're religious, is that an immoral act? Uh, that would be between you and God. That's that To me, that's not morality. Some people can be very deeply spiritual people and never go to church at all. All right. If you, uh, if you had a subscription to Playboy, would that be immoral? Uh, I would personally not want anything to do with that. I see that as something that right, brings... I, I got to stop because I'm out of time. I, I appreciate it. Great call, though. Gene, thank you. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.